We are on Ksubis Mem Vav Amar Aleph, uh, 46a, as we continue on. This is the last daf that we will be discussing the uh, concept of Motsi Shemra, the situation of Motsi Shemra. Again, a quick review is that if there is a girl who is engaged uh, at the age of between 12 and 12 and a half, she's a Na'ara, a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half is a halakhic engagement, uh, which means it's the time period between the giving of the ring and living together. There's During the times of the Gemara, there would be a year break between the halachic engagement and living together. She'd be living in her father's home during that year, her parents' home. Um, and if after they get married, the husband uh, accuses his wife of committing adultery during that time of engagement, uh, the year that she's living in her parents' home, so then there's different scenarios. If it's true, if it's a true accusation, if it's false. So, so far, we dealt with both. But if it's true, we've discussed the fact that it's a different type of a punishment for all of adultery. If there's witnesses and a warning, so then the wife receives the death penalty. In this case, it's a different type of death penalty. It's stoning. And in a typical case, it would be done at the entrance of her father's home. Uh, if it's false, if it was a false accusation, so then we've mentioned that there are three punishments given to the husband. Number one is uh, lashes. Number two is that there's a monetary fine. And number three is that they have to stay married. He's not allowed to divorce her. So our Gemara will continue in this discussion um, and we will conclude this discussion uh, over the course of this week at the uh, in the middle of this daf and turning on to the next page. So let's continue in this discussion. It's quoting the psuk and the verses in the Torah about the punishment that he would receive if he's lying about it. It says they punish him. What does punishing him mean? General word punishing. What type of punishment? It means the uh, monetary obligation. It's the monetary uh, fine that he has to pay the girl's father. And in inflicting pain, what is that referring to? It's referring to lashes. So the Gemara says, how do we know that the unshu punishment is referring to the monetary uh, fine? How do we know that the yisru pain is referring to lashes? I understand punishing in that context. If you look at it at the verse, the context is referring to payment. It says explicitly that the punishment is that he has to pay a hundred kesef to the girl's father. But how do we know that the Yisru inflicting pain is referring to lashes? Essentially, it's a Gzei It's one of the tools that we use to deduct uh, certain laws called a Gzei where there's words that are connected to other parts of the Torah. And through those words, we learn that Yisru is referring to lashes. So one of the punishments is lashes. Another one is the monetary payment, and the third one is that they have to stay married. They 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 cannot get divorced if she wants to stay married. So now that we now that we've stated that one of the punishments is lashes, the Gemara now asks, "Azhar lemotzi shem There is a rule in the Torah that says that even if there's a punishment, the Torah tells us the punishment. The Torah tells us here that there are lashes. But in addition to that, we also require an azhara. The Torah has to state explicitly that this is not allowed. That this is not allowed. Um, besides for the fact that uh, at the time that the person does the act itself, the sin, it requires two witnesses to provide a verbal warning uh, to say that if you do this, so then you would get uh, such and such of a punishment. In addition to that, the Torah itself also 
besides for stating the punishment, also has to have a, a pasuk, a verse that states the warning itself. Um, and so the Gemara says, Azhar How do we know? It, the Torah told us that if this man, the husband, uh, has this false accusation that his wife committed adultery while, while they were engaged, um, uh, but had, it says that the punishment is lashes, but where is the warning? Where does the Torah tell us it's not allowed? So there's be, there'll be an argument about this. There'll be two different verses, two different psukim. And then after we quote the two different psukim, the two verses, uh, the Gemara will try to understand, well, why did one rabbi pick one verse while the other rabbi picked the other verse? So that's what we'll get to. But there's two verses quoted by two different rabbis. Rabbi Lazar Omer, Milo Selech Rachel. Rabbi Lazar says it comes from the verse that says, Lo Selech Rachel. This is the prohibition. The Torah tells us one cannot speak Rechilas. We know that there is a, a commandment that a person cannot speak Lashon Hara or Rechilas. A person cannot speak negatively about somebody else for absolutely no purpose, whether it is truthful or whether it is a lie. This is the verse that tells us a person cannot speak negatively about somebody else. And so that would be the warning here. That is verse number one. Verse number two, Rabbi Nassim Omer, Mevinishmartim, Mikol Davarab. Nassim says, the verse that tells us a person has to be careful. This has nothing to do with an action, but has to be careful from any evil. What is it? What does it mean to be careful from any evil? It doesn't mean doing an action of evil, but in this context, according to Rabbi Nassim, it means speaking something which is evil. The speech itself is 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 evil, which is referring to our case about uh, falsely accusing his wife of committing adultery. Now, if we were to take a, just a pause for a second, Rabbeinu Yonah, uh, one of the earlier commentators, one of the Rishonim, he points out that uh, this whole topic of falsely accusing his wife is referred to as Motsi Shemra, as uh, giving a, a, a bad name, giving a bad name. And he says it's a little strange. One would have thought that this is much more severe. Why is this more severe? Because if his plan would have gone through, she would receive the death penalty. She would have been killed. One would have thought that the seriousness of this situation is because he almost had his wife killed. But he says, no, Rabbi Yonah says, no, the reason why this is so serious is because he's giving his wife a bad name, a bad reputation. He is embarrassing her in public and ruining her reputation, which is worse, says Rabbi Yonah. It's oftentimes worse than death itself. It's to be alive, living with a, a, a false, bad reputation where everybody looks at her and says, ah, oh, she committed adultery, and that itself is worse. Powerful words by Rabbeinu Yonah, that the embarrassment itself is, is so much worse. And that's v'nishmartim b'kol davarah. person has to be careful, forget about actions, but just speech alone. V'nishmartim has to be careful from speech alone, from the evil from the evil speech of, of uh, ruining her reputation. So the Gemara now wants to know, why do, does each rabbi say their verse, and why don't they say like the other person? So Rebelazar, my time a little Amr Mehai Mehai. Why doesn't Rebelazar learn out from Vinishmarta Mikol Davara? That a person has to be careful not just from an action, uh, but uh, according to Rebnasan, from speech that will cause evil speech. So the Gemara answers because he used that verse for something else. Homi Bailelikhas bin Yair. He learns it out from a different a different uh, idea of that verse from Rapinchas bin Yair. Vinishmarta Mikol Davara, Mikan Amr Pinchas bin Yair. Rabbi Pinchas Benayar says, it's not referring to speech, it's referring to a, a non-action of thought. A person should not think during the day um, wrong thoughts that will lead them to Thomas Kerry at night, that will lead them to a seminal emission at night. A person, what they think about during the day, 
uh, could cause them to have certain types of dreams. And so therefore this verse, it's not refer- it's referring to a non-action, but not like the one that, that Rabbi Nassim said, which is uh, evil speech. It's about thoughts that a person should not think about uh, certain uh, certain acts of behavior, certain um, sexual thoughts, uh, because it's going to cause the person to uh, have a Thomas Kerry. Because it will cause the person to have a seminal uh, emission, which is not allowed. Uh, just to pause here, um, there are, Rav Moshe Feinstein points out, one of the, of the last generation, the, the great uh, Torah leaders of the last generation, he, he points out that there are really two psukim, two verses that discuss the topic of, of making sure that we have proper thoughts. Uh, one is the Pasuk, the verse that was just quoted, and Yishmart Mikol Davara. And the other one is Losasuru Achare Levavcham Vachare Nechem. A person uh, shouldn't follow their eyes uh, to uh, to the wrong things. And he points out that these are really it's really referring to two different things. One is referring to the fact that a person shouldn't have wrong sexual thoughts that will lead to uh, a seminal emission. And this is even if one's thinking about things that are allowed, let's say with uh, about with one's wife, but if uh, it will lead to a, a seminal emission. Um, so then, uh, not in the context of sexual relations, and that's not allowed. Um, the other one is referring to illicit thoughts that will lead to an actual action with somebody else that's not allowed. So to think about having certain uh, relationships, uh, sexual relationships, which are not allowed, not with one's wife. Uh, so that will be the second prohibition, that it's not about what one does with oneself, but what, what one does with another person. And Ramosha points out that when it comes to the first one, that's a prohibition that only applies to men, because there's a prohibition of hotel sheikh lazer levatala to to have a, uh, an unneeded uh, seminal emission that's uh, that's for waste that's not in the context of a sexual relationship. That is that prohibition which only applies to men and not to women. But the second one also applies to women. Women um, they're not allowed to have improper thoughts about relationships that are not allowed, not with their which are not with their husband. He does point out that, for example, uh, let's say going to the beach or the like, men are not allowed to see women who are dressed inappropriately uh, because it will lead them to certain thoughts. But women, they're allowed to go. They're allowed to um, – it would be allowed for them as long as they don't have the improper thoughts. Uh, they could – they would be allowed to uh, see certain things if it's if it's the norm, she says, assuming that it's the norm. Okay, that is a, a side point um, coming out of this uh, – coming out of this drusha coming out of this um, way that the Torah expounds upon the verse of the Nishmart to be called Avera. The Gemara now continues, Nasan, my time alo amar mehai. Rabbi Nasan, who does learn out from the Nishmart to be called Avera to tell us that this is a warning for uh, falsely accusing uh, a person's wife. So then what? why didn't he learn out from lo selich rachel, that a person shouldn't speak evil speech? He learns out that verse for something totally different. It's coming not from Rachel, Rachel there in that context, Lo Selech Rachel. Rabbi Lazar learned that to teach us that a person shouldn't speak negatively about somebody else. Uh, Rabbi Nassim learns that out to teach us that it's a warning for actually for the court. The court shouldn't be Rach, meaning soft. They cannot be soft to one litigant and hard to another. Uh, they have to be equal with everybody. They cannot be uh, from the onset, nicer to one and harsher with the other. They have to treat everybody equally. And so he uses that for something uh, totally different. Okay, so in the end of the day, we have these two sources as to what the what the Azhar is. Where is the verse in the Torah that tells us 
that a person cannot falsely accuse his wife of committing adultery. We know what the punishments are. That's what we've been discussing until now. But those are two verses as to what the source of the warning is. That would be that would be the warning. The Gemara now shifts into a different discussion. Uh, again, within this Motsi Shemra and the, and the husband falsely accusing his wife. But the Gemara now says, how much involvement does the husband have to have? He has to bring in witnesses who who claim that uh, his wife committed adultery. Uh, that's, that's what's necessary. But how much involvement does he have to have? We will see that according to one opinion, um, he has to be the one who brings in the witnesses. If some if the witnesses come to court on their own without the husband's involvement, so then he's not punished for that. The witnesses came on their own. They were lying. We find them to be lying, uh, but uh, they came on their own. If they came on their own, the husband is not punished for that. He's only punished, according to his opinion, if he's the one who brings them to court. There'll be another opinion, the opinion of Rabbi Huda, who we do not follow, who says even more. He says, no, it's not just that. The husband has to be even more involved. He actually has to bribe them. We have to know that he that he, he bribed them, he paid them to testify. If, if we don't know that he paid them to testify, so then none of these punishments happen. And so Rabbi Yehuda limits this to a case where he has to bribe them. We don't follow Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. We follow the other opinion who says that he has to be the one who brings them to court. If they come on their own, so then everybody agrees that he is not he is not punished for that. So let's see this inside in the Gemara. If the witnesses come on their own and they are false witnesses uh, without him, without the husband being involved, so then he is not does not receive lashes. He does not have to pay this uh, fine uh, to the girl's father. He's not punished for that. However, if it's true, if the witnesses come on their own without the husband and it's true, so then he is omeha maktim skila. So then uh, she really does receive, she still receives her punishment of skila. Of stoning, uh, it says her and also the Edim Zomen, which are the uh, the witnesses who uh, who who claimed otherwise, and they get the same punishment as her. So the Gemara says he is the the false witnesses who try to, if they're found to be false witnesses, they try to give her the death penalty. So then they also receive the death penalty. Um, but either one, they they receive the death penalty. That still applies because that has nothing to do with the husband. Uh, at least nothing to do with the husband's accusation. But if they come on their own, everybody agrees um, that the husband is not punished for that. Even if they're false witnesses, the husband was not the one who brought them to court. So the Gemara now comments and says, It sounds like, according to this opinion, as long as he didn't bring them to court. But if he brought them to court, but he didn't bribe them, so then uh, he still receives these punishments. This is against Rabbi Yehuda. This is against Rabbi Huda. Detanya Rabbi Huda Omer in Uchayiv at Yiskor Edim. This only applies if he bribes the witnesses. My time with Rabbi Huda. Amir Bavo Asa Sima Sima Ksiv Hacha V'Samla Aliz Dvarim V'Ksiv Hasam Lo Tzimun Alav Neshech Malahalan Mamon Af Kan Mamon. Rabbi Huda learns out again from this principle of Xer Shava of connecting two words that over here uses the word some. Uh, and also in the context of ribis, we know of ribis, uh, to charge interest is not allowed to another Jew. And in that context, it also uses a similar word, some, to tell you that we're discussing specifically a case where uh, he is bribing the witnesses. So the Gemara now wants to, and the Gemara says, uh, others also said this, Amr of Nachem Bar Yitzchak, Vahin Tani, Rav Yosef, Tzidoni, Bey, Rav Shem Ben Yochai, Asa Sima Sima. Shem Ben Yochai also says that from the words Sima Sima, to tell us that, that he has to bribe them. He has to go so far as to bribe these witnesses who are lying. 
Okay. Now that we now that within this position of Rabbi Yehuda, again, we do not follow this position of Rabbi Yehuda. Even if he doesn't bribe them, um, they are he is still punished. But within this position of Rabbi Yehuda, who learns out the fact that they have to bribe them from ribis, from the context of of interest. So then the question is, well, how far do we take this Xerishava? Uh, we learn now from this other context, totally different context of interest, because the words are just similar. Well, do we apply everything that applies to interest and the limitations of interest to this case or not? So the Gemara asks, um, uh, Essentially, what happens if he bribes them by giving them land? Or what happens if he bribes them with paying them less than a pruta, a very small amount? Or let's say between the two of them, the two witnesses, there is a pruta. The point is, is that in all these cases, when it comes to interest, it's not a prohibition. It's not a prohibition to charge someone with interest with land or with less than a pruta because a pruta is a very small, insignificant amount. If a person charges interest in these cases, it's not a prohibition. So do we take everything and then transfer that over to here? So let's say he bribed them with land. Would this not, would these punishments not apply? That's the question. The Gemara doesn't answer it, but that, that's the question. How far exactly do we take this connection from uh, from Ribis. The Gemara now has two more questions, and we'll conclude with these last two questions. Uh, again, the case that we're dealing with here is a case where the husband is falsely accusing his wife of committing adultery while they are engaged. The Gemara is about to ask about two other scenarios where he's married to his wife. If he makes this false accusation, does he still receive the punishments? Now, these two cases are not your typical marriage scenarios. He seems to have to have been married when he makes these false accusations. He has to be married. But what happens in the following two cases? What happens if you have the following case? Uh, a husband and wife, they're engaged. They get married. Okay, they're married. Then they get divorced. And then they get married again. And in their second marriage, the husband all of a sudden wakes up and he falsely accuses his wife of committing adultery, not during their second marriage. Not during their first marriage, but during the engagement of their first marriage. Going back to the engagement of their first marriage, uh, so it and, and he's and he's lying about it. He's it, we find him to bring false witnesses. Uh, so does he get these punishments or not? Because this is already further removed. This is already at the second marriage. Alternatively, we'll see that the Gemara doesn't answer that first question. But alternatively, al mahu. What happens if it's a case of yibum, where? His brother was engaged to the girl. Then his brother married the girl. And then the brother dies. And he then does yibum. Uh, he now does yibum with his... They, 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 they don't have any children. Uh, and he does yibum with his brother, his deceased brother's wife. So now, can he now come with a accusation? What happens if he falsely accuses his now wife, who was his brother, his sister-in-law, that at the time of the engagement, not to him, but to his brother... Uh, committed adultery with a false accusation. Do these punishments now occur? So the Gemara says, these are, these are two uh, sort of, two um, not not regular marriage situa- situations. So Pasha Miyachada, the Gemara says we can only answer one of them. These laws do not apply when it comes to Yibam. In the second case, when it comes to Yibam, uh, these laws uh, do not apply. Um, and so therefore, he wouldn't get punished, he wouldn't get the, receive these punishments in the case of Yibam. With regards to the first scenario, it's an open question. It's an open question. Uh, we wouldn't make him pay, uh, because we don't know what the, how to problem, we won't give him lashes, so it's an open question. 
Okay, this concludes this part of the Gemara. We'll continue with this Gemara in the next class.